Good morning, church. Good morning. Okay, you did a good job, brother. No squealing. You did a really good job. Good morning, church. Good morning. Amen. So good to see you here this morning. I got a simple thought for you today. I've been thinking, of course, about about the things that we've been enduring recently, the things that we've been plunged into this pandemic, and the many details and the many specifics and all the other stuff that seems to be piling on um, to that, that, that thought, that thing, this subject, this occurrence, these, these current events that, that are taking place on the world stage today. And by the way, it is global. It's happening all over. There's an advancement. There is a, an agenda. There's a purpose. There's an unfolding of things, of sorts. And I've been thinking a lot about that, of course. And I wanted to select an Old Testament passage that would kind of serve as a, as a benchmark for a simple thought along these lines. And the title for this message is Signs of the Times. Signs of the times. And I want you to bow your heads with me in prayer for just a moment or two. <laughs> Father, we thank you once again this morning for this wonderful and this wonderful setting, this amazing context, this amazing liberty that you give us to fellowship like this, to come together as your children in one accord for the purpose of meeting with you. That's why we're here, Lord God. And we thank you so much. We thank you for the comforts that we have here today. We thank you for these amazing tarts. They're doing their job. We thank you for them. We thank you for your presence in our midst. We thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and on our minds. And we thank you so much for what you're going to do in our lives today and for the rest of our lives. We love you, Lord. We thank you so much. We want you here. We need you here. And during this time, during this moment, we certainly need to hear from you. Speak to us, Lord God. Help us to understand the things that pertain to you. Help us to understand, Lord God. We love you, and we devote our time to you now. In Jesus' name, and God's people say, Amen. Amen. I want you to turn quickly to Genesis chapter 11. Genesis 11. Genesis 11. And when you find it, please give me a hearty, a hearty Amen. Amen. You got it already? All right, nice. You're all right. You're right. I taught you well. I taught you well. Genesis 11. Genesis 11. Amen. Open your Bibles, open an app, whatever you got to do. And again, this passage is simply going to serve as a benchmark. We're not going to hang out here, but I want you to see something interesting about this particular passage. There's a template that has unfolded throughout the annals of time that go back to this particular setting. And you can easily make a case or the claim for the template to go even further back. Say, the Garden of Eden. You there? Everybody there? Genesis 11. Look with me. Nine verses. Starting with verse 1. It says, Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. 
And the Lord said, indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing that they purpose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down and they confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth and they ceased building the city. Verse 9. Therefore its name is called Babel because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. Amen. Say amen with me. Amen. So the first point that I have for you this morning is titled, Future Enslavement. Future Enslavement. And again, this is just a simple thought. This is just to energize you, kind of to challenge you and compel you to search the scriptures for yourself. To determine what God has to say in His Word for you as an individual. I'm reminded, <clears throat> and I'm, I'm hoping I don't get ahead of myself here, but I'm reminded of God's instructions to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden shortly after He created them. He gave them simple and basic instructions. He said, go forth and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. That was the objective. But of course, man... Because he rebelled shortly thereafter, Genesis chapter 3, man found himself fulfilling anything but the instructions that God, that God had given to them. Rather than pursue God's objective to go forth and to fill the earth, to subdue it, to scatter, to spread, to, to, to multiply, man sought to establish himself in one particular setting, in one particular context, and it was against the ordinance of God himself. Future enslavement. I chose this passage because I thought it would be good for presenting a message referring to a future enslavement. That's number one. But also the, the second half of this particular point is concerns the hope that God still provides today to mankind all over the world in order to escape this particular enslavement that I'm referring to this morning. Now, I'm not just referring to any ordinary type of enslavement. I'm referring to the type that, be, that will be someday on a mass and global scale. I'm talking about the tribulation period. I'm talking about the final seven years of the, the prophecy given to us by the prophet Daniel. We studied that, if you remember, a couple of months ago. We were going through a simple series. I think it was three, three Sundays that we were talking about that. I'm not going to reiterate, I'm not going to get into that again. But this future tribulation period concerns the final seven years of Daniel's prophecy given to him by God. And it's going to be a gruesome time. It's going to be an insidious time. You can combine all the worlds in the history of mankind and still, in my mind, in my mind, would not scratch the surface of how, 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 how insidious it will be during these last seven years on the planet. It's going to be a horrible time. It's going to be a, a terrible time. A time like none other. I know that we didn't necessarily read in this passage uh, anything about the, the man Nimrod, but I'm going to talk about Nimrod here in just a few moments. He was um, someone who established, if you will, the city of Babel, the, that particular area, and this, this agenda, this plan, 
It wasn't just an agenda to build a simple tower or a tower to reach heaven itself as the Bible um, um, expressed to us a few moments ago when we read the text. It, it was worse than that. It was beyond that. It was about enslavement. It's about governance. It's about ruling the people with an iron fist. And that speaks to the type of man that Nimrod was. And I know we didn't read those verses because we'd be here all day long if I were, try, if I were to try to unpack that. Nimrod, he sought to populate the earth, but he wanted to do it according to his own terms and not according to God's instructions given to mankind in Genesis chapter 1 and in Genesis chapter 2. It was in the heart of Nimrod and his people to rebel at every turn. But as we read, as I stated already, they even wanted to construct a tower that will reach the heavens itself. Can you imagine a tower that huge, that massive, the scope, the project of it? They had the technology, they had the wherewithal, the know-how, and they were determined. And God himself said in the text that we read here today, that if he had not intervened, they would have succeeded to a degree, at least as they understood it, reaching the heavens as they understood it in their ignorance. But God nevertheless had to come down. He said, let us, he said, let us, the Father, the Son, and the Holy, let us go down. We have to do something about what mankind is striving to succeed with, succeed in, or establish for himself that is contrary to my word and my ordinances. Essentially, man was in his full glory. And unfortunately, this would turn out to become the template for how mankind would behave toward God still to this day, thousands and thousands of years later. Nothing has changed. We call it big cities here today. We want to populate, we want to establish ourselves, we want to root ourselves in big cities. We want to master, we want to succeed, and we want to self-actualize according to Maslow's hierarchy of, hierarchy of needs. We, we want to do us and we never stop the process until we self-actualize to a, 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 a specific degree. We, that's just how we operate. That's just how our minds operate. And the relevance here, of course, as it relates to the passage that I read and this topic that I want to unfold, is that we have today, of course, the advancement of a movement identical in nature. I want you to think about that for a moment. Because we have in our midst a movement, the advancement of a movement identical in nature to that which took place during the time of Nimrod. Think about the pandemic. Think about the ground, the headway. I wish we could talk about that. I wish we could spend all day talking about it. Talking about that. It's a movement led by led by evil men aimed at enslaving the world. I'm pausing for effect because I want you to hear this. When you think in terms of what's happening in the world around you today, and here in Norwalk, it's happening in Norwalk, it's happening all over. When you think in terms of these things, you, you must relate it back to what the Bible teaches about prophecy and how the enemy is advancing his agenda. Because if we fail to think about it on those terms, we will miss out on the wonderful things that God has in store for us today, right here, right now. There's an evil movement. A movement to which Christians, Christians everywhere need to open their eyes. We call it the New World Order. 
which will be the ultimate enslavement program. We know that, right? According to the Word of God. In our religious mindset, we know that the future is not bright, at least in terms of that seven-year period. It's going to be awful. It's going to be awful. I can't even get the words out. It's going to be awful, but the Bible refers to this as the revived Roman Empire. I'll give you an assignment. Just look at some certain chapters in the book of Daniel. It's a short, it's a short book. You can read the whole book. But chapter 7, chapter 8, and chapter 9, right there, maybe a little bit of chapter 11, chapter 12, you read about this last kingdom. You read about the Antichrist. You read about the New World Order. Of course, you got Matthew 12, chapter 24. And Revelation chapter 13. That right there will keep you busy for the rest of the week. Because of the rapid fulfillment of prophecy, essentially key predictions pointing to this season, the truth of this passage pits us as a generation, perhaps at least in my mind, as a generation poised to usher in the return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen, somebody. Amen. These are wonderful times. They may be difficult to a degree. We may be impacted adversely when it comes to the, our physicality, our physical lives, our loved ones. <clears throat> there are a lot of hungry people. There are a lot of people without work because of this, the atrocities, the moral atrocities taking place on the world stage. But these are wonderful times from the spiritual standpoint, from the biblical standpoint, because Jesus Christ is on His way. Amen, somebody. Amen. Jesus Christ is on His way, right? And, and very soon, very soon, I, I, we, we, I was going to say I, but that would have been selfish. We, we are going to hear the trumpets very, very soon, just like that. And according to Paul the Apostle in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, in a twinkling, not a blink, in a twinkling, is much faster, by the way, in a twinkling of an eye, we are going to be snatched up out of this earth to be forever with the Lord in glory. Amen, somebody. That's what's going to happen very soon. Listen, the Bible hasn't failed yet. You can take it to the bank. It hasn't failed yet. And I know sometimes we can be a little overly religious and, and, and more sensitive to the, the things of this world or the things of this natural world, that is, especially when it comes to academics. We can be swayed in our mind psychologically to be more sensitive to, to natural, a natural or temporal perspective. And that's a mistake. Because when we develop that mindset, that perspective, we lose our sense of the wondrous truths of the Word of God. And, and, you, and you confront certain believers, certain believers, quote-unquote, have difficulty believing that Jesus Christ is actually coming back, as He said. Now think about that for a moment. It's a reality. I'm sure you have met somebody like that. So we have this apprehension when it comes to prophecy that hasn't been fulfilled yet. We take the scriptures and we consider what has been fulfilled and we rejoice in those things. Like, like Jesus came and Jesus died and he was buried and Jesus rose again. Because we, we look back and history teaches that it actually happens. But we have a difficult difficulty embracing the Word of God with respect to things that are going to come to pass very soon. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. I believe in my mind we have somebody wonderful in the White House, although he's not perfect. But listen, be not mistaken. There are evil things taking place in this country today. Evil, evil thing. And there's an unfolding agenda to enslave the world. And it's going to happen very soon. Very soon. 
Therefore, my purpose here is just simply to encourage you, encourage you today for the rest of your life to push yourself, <clears throat> to push yourself further into His arms as you consider the signs of the times. The signs of the times in which we live. We must live as believers with our hearts prepared to meet the Lord in the air very, very soon. Point yeah. number two, chronicles of evil men. Chronicles of evil men. History chronicles the stories of many men like Nimrod who have brought about the most destructive of circumstances on the people they governed. Nimrod, we understand him to be an evil man. Let me see your hand if you've read about Nimrod in the Bible. Let me see, let me see. Don't be afraid, I need to see your hands. I need, I need to gauge. I'm, this is a little survey. He, Nimrod was an evil man. He manipulated his subjects. They even believed that he was God. In fact, during that time, they had established this concept of the little wakeful, right? Communion. This concept of communion goes all the way back to the beginning. It goes really far back. And it existed. God read the history of Nimrod books outside of the Bible. I, I consider it. I just, I, I want to know, I want to know who was this individual, this marauder, this pirate, this evil man. And behold, I have learned, I have learned that he established a little wafer. He convinced his subjects to believe that he was God and that they could not take part in him, participate in him in every way, shape, or form unless they, unless they, 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 they took part in the communion, the little wafer that he was handing them. So you see, Catholicism has its roots all the way back in the beginning to the times immediately after the flood. It took place long, long, long ago. And so the people were beginning to consume this wafer, this, this Eucharist, if you will. And they were satisfied. They believed that as a result they were going to go to heaven. That they were going to go to paradise someplace. But then he threatened to keep this little wafer, this Eucharist, from them if they did, if they did not reveal all their secrets to him. Hence the establishment of the confessional. Every single week, people, his subjects will come one by one to sit before a priest, a representative of Nimrod, who heard all these stories, and so he was enslaving them in their minds in the worst of ways. That, to me, is a template of what is happening on the world stage today. When you think about it, when you pull out your cell phone, for example, even just simply the fact that the battery is in our phones, our words are being heard, our conversations are being heard, and the moment you touch your phone, every keystroke is being recorded. All of it. Now that's not the message, but you get my point. It's an enslavement program. Google has established islands just off the coast here in, in Utah. They have a, uh, you might as well call it a city. The building is so large. Google, research that. A, a building that is so large, they got mainframes that are probably a mile long in this is just recording data, data, just recording because they profile. You ever wonder why when you're surfing the internet you get an ad that pops up, wow, how did all they want it? They knew I wanted that. 
I bought some clothing that way. I bought these 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 shoes that way. How do they know I wanted something like that? In that color. <clears throat> because of all the information they collect. And so what I've done, what I've done, this is just parenthetical, right? I want to give you a, a, a bit of advice. What I've done is that I've done I've downloaded a, a search engine called uh, DuckDuckGo. I know it sounds crazy, it's corny, it sounds corny. DuckDuckGo does everything Google does, but it's a secret app. Nothing is recorded, so they say, so I see. <laughs> now I researched it, I look at it, I look at the settings and all that stuff, and there's never any history kept. Never any history, nothing. You just don't have the option to view where you've been, where you've done, what, as long as you use DuckDuckGo. If you download it onto your phone, I encourage you to do so. Make sure you do not set it as your default because then certain third apps or stuff like that won't necessarily work well. So I left Google as default, but I use DuckDuckGo for everything, for all, all my search. Anyway, let's fast forward to the 20th century because we have to make some note about what we've experiencing during this, you know, in, in our lifetime, our recent world has lived through its own share of dictators. You, you, you know that, right? You know that. I mean, we've had some in the office here recently in the last couple of decades. Uh, I, I digress. Evil men who have followed in Nimrod's footsteps in hopes of uh, enslaving billions and billions of people. Take Joseph Stalin, for example. Of all the old USSR. How many, how many remember, remember reading about Joseph Stalin. He was an evil man. His reign was from 1929 to 1953. He slaughtered millions of his own people through murder and starvation. He essentially forced communism down their throats. How about Francisco Franco? How many heard him? Francisco Franco, we win, we're in history class here today. Francisco Franco, he was a tyrant in Spain. And he slaughtered tens of thousands of his, of his own people during the Spanish Civil War in the 1930s. How about this guy, Benito Mussolini? How many remember Benito Mussolini from, from Italy? In the 30s and 40s, he took part in evil atrocities as well. He particularly enjoyed slaughtering the Jews. And of course, we cannot forget Mr. Infamous himself, Adolf Hitler. It was responsible for an untold number of them. We understand it to be in the millions. Some people say he slaughtered 7 million or 6 million, but he, I, I say it's well over 10 million people. Maybe not just 10, maybe not 10 million Jews, probably 6 million Jews, but he killed a lot of people. He killed a lot of He was just an evil man. He was an evil man. They were evil men. The common denominator between the men that I've mentioned here today and many more like them was the goal to propel this world into the new world order. A government ruled and governed by one man. We know this concerning them, the guys that I talked about here today, because many have come out of many who in recent years have come out of Freemasonry, they have testified to it. We're talking about ideologies which that, that go back all the way to the beginning. Evil, evil ideologies about enslaving the world. Jesus spoke about this in Matthew 24. You don't have to go there. I'm going to read it to you. In Matthew 24, Jesus spoke about this new world order. 
He says in verse 15, 24, chapter 24, it says, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take out to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. Verse 19. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, no ever shall be. Wow. And unless those, those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Just think about it. Verse 21 says that, For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, no ever shall be. Jesus Christ was referring to this new world order, this insidious agenda that's, that's in the works right now and that will be manifest on the world stage very, very, very soon. Notice that Jesus referred to Daniel the prophet. He actually referred to him as a prophet. Now, I know this is a, a side note, but there are a lot of people who actually deny, who resist, who reject the book of Daniel on so many different levels. You may not know this, but it's so true. There are a lot of theologians even in their crazed minds do not have difficulty accepting the prophecies laid out by Daniel in his book because, quote, they were too accurate. Hello, that's what prophecy is. That's what a prediction is. When it's spoken by the Holy Spirit long ago and then fulfilled according to the words of the Holy Spirit, that's what makes it the word of the living God. Amen, somebody. And so there are a lot of people who reject the book of Daniel. And yet, his words, or rather the words of God through him, are being fulfilled in our lifetime. Cross-reference, if you're taking down notes, you may want to write down Daniel 7, 7, and 8. Daniel chapter 7, verses 7 and 8, and that speaks to what I just finished talking about there, the New World Order and the Antichrist who will soon head up that system. The Antichrist, he will be a man possessed by the devil himself for the purpose of destroying mankind. Write this down. Revelations 13, 2. The Antichrist will desecrate the temple and everything good and holy existing in the world. Write this down, Daniel 9, 27. He will enslave multitudes of people. In my mind, in my view, he's going to enslave billions of people. That's Revelations 13, 7. He will cause many to worship him. Many will willingly, willingly bow down and worship the Antichrist. That's Revelations 13, 8. And in time, according to the word of God, Many will receive his mark on their right hands or their foreheads. And when they do so, there will be no hope for their souls. That's Revelations 13, 16, and 17. Revelations 13, 16, and 17. And of course, there's so much more that, that could be said here today concerning the Antichrist, concerning the New World Order, concerning this one world 
government that I'm talking about. But, but you need to try to wrap your mind around this, this topic as it relates to what is unfolding around you and I today. There's a reason why legislation is the way that it is. There's a reason why policy doesn't seem to change regardless of whether a Republican is in office or a Democrat. Whether the Republicans or Democrats control the Senate or the House. There's a reason why policy is not changing. Look no further than the CFR, the Council on Foreign Relations. That is the body here in the United States that actually governs the political affairs of this nation and what they say goes regardless of who is in office. There's an agenda that's unfolding. And we need to be mindful of these things. And by the way, I should say that, did you know that the Antichrist will come to power one day because mankind has placed a demand for him? We, mankind in general, you and I, maybe not so much you and I as believers, but the world, the unbelieving world, is calling for such a man. We have placed a great demand for such an individual to emerge on the world stage and to give us answers. An economic czar is going to be a guru, a military genius, etc., etc. He's going to seemingly have all the answers and man will flock to him and yield to him and we will give him power and authority. The truth concerning his presence on the world stage one day has always been an indication of where man would be with his sin and not a mere idea in the heart of the devil. We, mankind, on the planet today, will usher in the presence of the Antichrist. But there's hope. And I'm going to get to my last point right now. Got to be brief. There's hope. Oh, there's a whole lot of hope. Those of you who are believers, those of you who understand the Bible, even in the slightest bit, understand that there's nothing but hope in spite of what is happening on the world stage today. You listen to the news, you hear about this guy and that guy and these people and that country. And remember, who remembers uh, Hugo, Hugo Chavez? You remember that guy? Remember the things that used to come out of that man's mouth? Remember that? I mean, you talk about vile, you talk about evil, you talk about insidious, and yet in spite of those individuals, in spite of what's happening in the world today, and by the way, I, you should pray for Cuba, you should pray. I know, I know Hugo was in, 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 he was not in Cuba, but it just comes to mind, pray for Cuba, because you, you just do a simple research, and you'll see some in, images, there's some really good videos documented online that you can look at concerning Cuba, and the starvation, the hunger, the little children on the streets. It's horrible. It's an evil unfolding on the planet today. But there's hope. And this point is our king is coming. Our king is coming. Once upon a time, the Lord himself gave instructions to his disciples about ministry. And those instructions have always served as a bedrock for the purpose in life ever since, in our lives ever since. We're talking about evangelism, right? We're talking about the importance of preaching the gospel, the importance of advancing the the kingdom of God here on earth. But he never promised that it would be easy. He stated, and I quote Mark 16, 15, he says, Go into all the world and 
preach the gospel to all creation. That's, that's the mandate, right? That's the great commission. I need you to propagate the gospel. I need you to take my word, my message out there. Because it's the only means of escape for mankind. Amen. Forget what the verse is, where the verse is right now. But there's a verse, I believe, somebody can help me out here. I think it's in John... Could be John chapter 14, somewhere somewhere along those lines, maybe in that neighborhood, where the, where Jesus himself states that, that it's not 14, 6, where I'm the way, the truth, and the life. It's not that one. There's another one. There's another one that, that speaks so clearly to this ideal regarding my message, Jesus says. It's only through me. And I love that context. And I got to so dumb, I didn't memorize it or whatever. But I love it because it speaks to this idea that, that, that Jesus, is, it's only through Jesus, it's only through the Word of God that there's hope. Only through the Word of God. All these avenues that Oprah Winfrey would be talking about and so many people are following, there are tens of millions of women, women, women. Yes, there are men too. But when you look on that platform, you see just so many people just following, listening to what that woman has to say. And, and, and there are people like that alive today, active today, active today, with major platforms, convincing tens of millions of people around the world that there are multiple avenues by which they get to heaven. And it's just not true. It's just not true. I think I shared a story, personal story with you once before, uh, regarding my time in school, in college. Okay. In, in, watch yourself, Miss D. Watch yourself. In, in, in the University of Hard Knocks, in the, the Penal Institute for Higher Learning, it was a very good, very good university. You should, no, you, you don't want to go there. You don't want to go there. It, was a, it was a wonderful experience for me, right? Because it was a turnaround for my life. And I may have shared this with you once before. That the Lord, yeah, he's got a sense of, Lord, you got a sense of humor. He's got a sense of humor because he put me in a, in a room, in a room. He put me in a room with a diehard Christian. This guy was so consecrated, so committed. I mean, Jesus, he didn't even have to say a word. <clears throat> Jesus was coming out of his port. You talk about a Peter experience where his shadow was healing people's bodies. Well, this guy walked in the room. I walked in the room and I just immediately, and I had already given my heart to Jesus. I kind of wanted to turn around because he was just losing with anointing, with the goodness of the Lord. And God used him to eradicate the views that I subscribed to back then, growing up. The Catholicism and all that other stuff that Jehovah's Witness and the Mormonism. We had all those people coming to My mother, I told you this before, this I remember. My mother had them all coming to the house. She said, well, we, it's good for us to get a little bit of all of it because then it, then it gives us an assurance. Oh, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> Mom, I'm sorry. She's probably listening in. Let me move on while I still can. Thank you, Jesus. John 14, 1 through 4 says, we're talking about our King is coming. We're talking about hope. This hope. Saints, this hope. John 14 says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, 
that where I am there, you may be also. I'm going to back up. Verse 3, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will. I will come again and receive you to myself. I will come again and receive you to myself. I want you to hear it with your heart. I will come again and receive you to myself. There's a hope. There's a living hope. And we Christians don't have to live with our heads down on the ground. We don't have to try to bury ourselves in the ground and try to escape all these things. We can actually walk through life with our heads up high knowing there's a hope that the world around us doesn't have. Amen, somebody. Jesus Christ is Lord. He is still on His throne. He's on His way. He's going to come for us. Thank you, Jesus. I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And again, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 16 and 18, there's hope. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus shall we always be with the Lord. Wow. And thus shall we always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. Thus shall we always be with the Lord. Saints, the King is coming. The King is coming. Amen. Uh, Roy, that's got to be the title of your first message. The King is coming. Please. Please. That's it. It's, it's been spoken. It, 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 what is it? What is it? Nebuchadnezzar used to say it is spoken. Let it be so. Whatever. But maybe it was one of the other kings. Help me out. Come on. Help me out. Don't be scared. <laughs> anyway. It was a Persian king. It was a Persian king. That was one night with the king. One night with the king. <laughs> anyway, as we think about this season that we find ourselves in, it's not easy, right? There's some challenges. It's very, very difficult. We talk about having to endure persecution, lots of different difficulties, especially during this pandemic season, right? But we can, in fact, be of good cheer. Jesus has overcome the world. This is John 16, 33. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Soon we will reign with him in glory for eternity. And last, last couple of verses. Five verses. And I'm done. Worship team, if you're around, if you're ready, I'm going to close with these verses. Revelation 21. Write this down. Revelation 21, verses 1 through 5. We're talking about the king coming. This hope that you and I as believers ought to be living with. Revelation 21, 1 through 5. It says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven, <clears throat> a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no more sorrow, and no more crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Stand with me, church. 
Let us pray together. Let us worship together in this last song. That would be let us pray. The King is coming. I want you to think about that. Let it resonate in your heart all day long, in your soul, for the rest of your life. The King is coming. The King is coming. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. The King is coming. Father, we love you today. We praise your holy name. We thank you so much, Lord God, for this promise that you've given to us. For this hope that we live with today as believers. Lord Jesus, we love you today. We lift up holy hands today in your presence. And we love you, Jesus. And we thank you so much for the strength you give us, for the encouragement, for the inspiration in spite of the things that are happening in the world around us. You are with us even to the end of the age. You will never leave us. You will never forsake us. We thank you so much, Lord Jesus, for saving ourselves, for writing our names in the Lamb's book of life, for encouraging us, for saving ourselves, for cleansing our lives, for receiving us as we are. Because of what you did for us on the cross. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise that we will sing to you now, Lord. The God's people say, Amen. Amen.
so as you go this week, you go into a world that's all shaken up, but we're not. We have a firm foundation, right? Yeah. Remember the drive-by event this afternoon. Check with Clancy if you need that address again. We look forward to seeing you back here this evening. We're going to share some desserts together and uh, share a little love with Rick and Brenda. So you want to come back at 6.30 and be a part of that special time. The scriptures say, even so, come quickly. And so, Lord, that's our prayer this morning, that you send us out into a world that desperately needs to know the gospel message, a world that desperately needs to hear that there's hope and help found in Jesus. Lord, we go this week into a world that is desperately in need of truth. And so go before us, empower us, enable us by your Spirit. And we go in the confident hope that you never leave us or forsake us. Lord, we love you together. We exalt your name together as we go into the week before us. We go to serve you, to live the life that you call us to live as you live your life through us. Might we make a difference in the world in which we live. It's our prayer together in the mighty name of our risen and soon coming King Jesus. Amen. Amen.